Seven seconds on the shot clock. Nothing happening. Romar left corner to the baseline. Double team. He's trapped. Bounce it to Smith underneath. Scores! Oh, he just got it in time to beat the clock. 102 to 100. When he was younger and lighter, he used to do it with a great deal of proficiency. But Mr. Mean has wiped two of them away that were look like certain scores. This is the Golden State Warriors podcast. And now your host, the voice of the Warriors, at Warriors Vox, Tim Roy. Well, thank you for clicking on the Warriors podcast. I'm Tim Roy, and it's great to be with you during this eight-game homestand. That's the time of this taping. It's an eight-game homestand for the Warriors, which is their longest in franchise history. And the reason I bring that up, because I wanted to emphasize the word history. We're going to do this a couple of times this year because, as you know, the Warriors in the NBA are celebrating 75 years of basketball, 75 years of the NBA. So we dusted off the front door of the Warriors Vox Vault. That's right, the infamous Warriors Vox Vault, where audio has been stored for over three decades of NBA basketball, and we came up with an interview we think you're going to like. It's one of our 75-year, 75 stars, and it's Mr. Mean. Now, for our younger listeners, Mr. Mean, who's that? It's Larry Smith, drafted in 1980 by the Warriors in the second round, the 24th pick overall out of Alcorn State in Mississippi. He would become a fan favorite, playing nine years with Golden State and finishing his career in Texas three years with the Rockets and one with the San Antonio Spurs. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Again, it's part of our 75th year celebration Here's the conversation I found from years ago with Larry Smith. A pleasure today to welcome one of the all-time great rebounders in NBA history and one of the most popular uh, Golden State Warriors uh, of all time, and that is Larry Smith. He's known as Mr. Mean, but it's only a nickname. It's not really true. Uh, And one of the greatest offensive rebounders of all time. 3.9 career offensive rebounds per game, and I believe that ranks the sixth all-time. And and Larry, welcome. Thank you so much for helping us out, and, and, and how are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm very happy that you guys helped me on. It's a pleasure. What is keeping Larry Smith busy these days? Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, as of right now, I am working at the university at Alcorn. I'm, I'm the, uh, the athletic development director there. So that's pretty much uh, what I'm doing these days, and it's definitely keeping me busy. And that, of course, is is, uh, is home for you. You're a Mississippi guy. You played at Alcorn State. You're one of the most famous athletes of all time. So it's got to be cool to to, uh, to go home and help out. Well, absolutely. It's, it's, it's okay. But I still miss the Bay, the Bay Area very much. And I know that you've been uh, you've been an assistant coach in the NBA. You've coached in the, the in the D League and and the WNBA. You were head coach at Alcorn State. Do you miss coaching? Uh yes. Ah. You know, I, I, I really do. I, I, I miss uh, the grind. I, I miss working with the young people. And and I miss uh, that's something I love to do, and I definitely uh, miss it right now. Now, when, it seems like that when a player gets into the coaching ranks, it just seems like it gets into his, his bloodstream, so to speak, and, and it stays there forever. Is, is that the way it is with you? The, yes. Uh, I, I, I love the coaching aspect of the game. And, again, like I reiterated on this, I, I love working with young people, and it's just a thrill for me uh, to be a part of it for so many years. and something that I will always treasure. 
Now, when you were playing at Alcorn State, and you guys were really good then. I mean, you guys, what, you had one one year, you guys went undefeated, correct, in the regular yeah. season. Yeah, we had a good so, so you were a really good player, but it, it was a say quote unquote a small uh, college. It wasn't like say playing at you know say maybe LSU or someplace like that. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you knew you were pretty good. Did you know you were NBA good? Well, uh, uh, no. I, the, the NBA at that time was was not uh, on my agenda at all. Uh, I just I just loved the college game. I loved what I did at the time, and my main focal point at that stage was graduating from college, and that's what I did. So, but the NBA was a plus, and, and God had really blessed me to give me an opportunity to play in it. So, it was not on the agenda at the time, but everything's worked. Out well for me, and and I'm just happy that I had the opportunity to play in the NBA. Now you played in the in, in the NBA and, and uh, for a long time, and a very very consistent player off the glass. You know, and and you mentioned for, well, first of all, let's go back to the college. You graduated from Alcorn State. What was your degree in? Uh, administration. Administration. I have okay. a master's in yeah, a master's degree in which which probably helps with what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a different thing for me. Uh, I'm, I'm gradually picking it up a little better now. Uh, it's just the fundraising part, in which I didn't have to do when I was in my playing days, or or when I was 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 coaching at all. So it is a little different, but I'm getting the hang of it these days. Now, on these catching up with series, I'm always uh, uh, not. I wouldn't say amused, but I'm always curious to find out. You know uh, what the draft day experience was like for former players because we know it's such a it's such a big production now. You know, especially for the guys in the lottery and they're they're waiting there and you know they get the handshake of the commissioner and you know the interviews on national TV. But I imagine it wasn't like that in 1980 when the the Warriors took you with what was the 24th pick overall. Uh, it was actually the first pick of the second round that year. Well, of course, now it goes deeper than that in the first round. But you were the first pick of the second round in, in 1980. Uh, what was that day like, and how did you find out? Well, actually, I was home uh, in Mississippi with my mom, and my um, attorney gave me a call and told me I had been chosen by the Golden State Warriors. And at the time, I was speechless. Uh, it was, I said, this couldn't possibly happen to me. <laughs> but uh, it, it was one of the greatest times in my life uh, getting that call, and I'm just so happy I had the opportunity to play for the Warriors over the years. Now, back in 1979 in Sports Illustrated, they say that the, unless he unveils a perimeter jump shot in his senior year, it's doubtful that Larry Smith will make the pros. Was that motivation at all? Well, uh, absolutely. But that being said, uh, through my whole uh, uh High school, junior high career, everyone always told me that I was too small to do the job. And that was a motivational factor for me as well. But one thing I, I learned over the years that uh, I will never let anybody outwork me. And I think that was my strong student that kept me competitive. And I think that carried me on to the NBA. Well, no doubt about that. When you came to the Warriors, uh, you could have probably taken – 2,000 shots a day all summer, but you weren't going to get a lot of shots on that team. Um, <laughs> we'll be free and Bernard no, no, King we, were we there. Had, we had tremendous players on the <laughs> team. Um, uh, guys like Purvis Short, Joe Barry, Carroll, Carroll, World Free, Bernard King, Clifford Ray. 
and the list can go on. Sonny Parker. So it, it was not a whole lot of shots, but I knew with all those guys out there, if I just get on the glass and stay consistent on the glass, I would get a chance to play. And thank God it worked out for me. What are your thoughts about Bernard King, and, and maybe do you have a Bernard King story? Well, <laughs> all I know is with Bernard, uh, a scoring machine. Uh, he one of the first guys I ever seen to get out and run the break as he did in the finish plays on the on the break as well. Uh, the guy really knew how to put the ball in the basket. And yes, I do have a story for Bernard. Uh, he was the only guy that. I got a fine for, for being late. I was picking him up and taking him to the airport, and I got fined for the first time in my career <laughs> picking him up, and I still told him, he, you know, he made me late. And that's <laughs> one story I, I always held him accountable for me being late that particular time. And I think that was the only time in my career I was ever late for an air for a flight. Now, Purvis Short, obviously you must have known about him. He played at Jackson State <laughs> right down Absolutely. the road. And, and, and boy, you talk about jump shot. How about that jump shot? Um, unbelievable. Uh, short man had that rainbow jumper. It was just consistent. It was pretty. I, I never seen anybody have a beautiful shot, but his shot was, was, was beautiful. Uh, a real, a real score. And it's like I, like you stated, it was with those guys on the, on the team, uh, all I could see is opportunity to get on the glass and playing time. That's how I don't get playing time because I know with that, those guys in the lineup, it's not going to be a lot of shots. But uh, I made my living uh, doing the, uh, the dirty thing on the glass, and, and I'm just proud I had the opportunity to do so. Well, let's talk about the other guy who came from a relatively small college, and that was uh, World B. Free. Uh, he played at, at uh, Guilford College as Lloyd Free. Uh, but what an, I don't think kids today, if you try to describe Lloyd Free and his game, it would be hard to really put into words. I mean, he was, he was so talented and so strong. Absolutely, and I always considered a world game as a playground game. Uh, the guy, he, he, he could score. Uh, he could do a lot of things. He, he, he could get to the basket. He had this, this, this nice jump shot. And just like I said, another guy that, that could put the ball in the basket, uh, and he was consistent in doing so. And, yes, I, and coming from a small college, a lot of people didn't get a chance to see him, but he was one of the prolific scorers of all time that, that for the Warriors. In his tenure there, he was really, really good. First impression, Al Adels. First impression, mm -hmm. he scared me to death. <laughs> Just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I met him, I said, oh, God. Uh, he, he, he had this really, really deep voice. Uh, I said, I was just afraid of him. But turned out to be uh, one of the greatest guys you ever want to meet. I love him to death. And I'm just so proud that I had an opportunity to play for him. And he saw something in you right away because he gave you, as you talked about, you wanted to get playing time, and you knew on that particular team it had to be defense, rebounding, and, and doing some of the dirty work. And he saw that in you, and, and he gave you playing time. Well, absolutely. And and he knew uh, I, I had a good work ethic, and I think that's, that's what made the difference for me. That I know I wasn't the greatest offensive player, but I know I could do a lot of other things to get me playing time. So he saw it in me, and he saw it every single day. And him being the kind of guy he is today, uh, if you're going to play hard for him and do the little things, you can have an opportunity to play. 
and thank you, God they chose me when they did. I, <laughs> I always be grateful for for the wars and taking me, and especially uh, Al Adams and Scotty Sterling. Thirty-one minutes a game, Scotty Sterling, of course, who has uh, I believe just wrapped up a long run with the uh, Sacramento Kings franchise and and did the rare double double in the Bay Area, working for the Warriors and the Raiders at one point. Um, and you you were very close to, to getting a double-double your first year. You would get it later on in your career. But there were a couple of times where you averaged 9.6 points a game and, and very consistent off the glass, obviously, for years. But in that first year, I was re- just remarkable, 12.1 rebounds a game. I believe in your final game that year, you had 31 uh, rebounds against Denver. Uh, of course, Denver, a high-scoring team, they were going to get up a lot of shots. But still, 31 rebounds, that's a lot of glass. So how did you feel... After your your rookie season, when it was pretty obvious that that you were going to play in this league for a long time, well, it, it, it was it was a great feeling for me. Um, I just wanted to have the opportunity to play, and that's what I love to do. I, I love playing the game. It was fun for me, and and getting a chance to play in the league was an honor. And that's something that that uh, today I sit back and think about that and say, man, uh, geez, a lot of guys couldn't. Didn't have opportunity to do what I did. It was an honor for me to play in the NBA, and an honor for any guy, any guys that make the NBA to play it. I think uh, you, you, it was just a great, uh, a great situation. I had opportunity to meet tremendous people, got a lot of chance to travel, and the money wasn't bad either. So it was a lot of it was a lot of it was a lot of things came into play in playing in the NBA. A lot of upside, as they would say. And Larry, you arrived uh, in Golden State with. The nickname, Mr. Mean. Uh, how did you get that? Well, um, I got that name from uh, from my college name, from the model sports information director, which was Gus Howard at the time. Uh, I got that name from him because he said I never, ever smile. I always like I was mad all the time, and, and which <laughs> I thought was very untrue because I'm an easygoing guy. But that's how I got that name. So you, you get to the Warriors, and over the period of your career, uh, the fans attached to you. Tell me what you thought the first time you came out to warm up and you looked over the baseline and there were guys wearing hard hats for you. My first thought was, wow. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was unbelievable. And I got really, really teary-eyed because uh, it, it was so much, it was just such so much an honor for people to really appreciate the little things you did, and and I, I think as today uh, there are no other better fans than the Warrior fans. They they were tremendous to me. Uh, they supported me throughout my whole career. Uh, regardless, I played lousy. They still supported me, and I just I just I just always tell my friends about the fans there. Out of all the places I've been, the Warriors fan was the best fan in the NBA. That's uh, that's that's well said. In in as you played nine years for the franchise before moving on to Houston and then uh, briefly with San Antonio in the ninety two, ninety three season, uh, the eighty six eighty seven team uh, coached by George Carl uh, got to to beat Utah in the first round, got to the second round of the playoffs, and, and lost to a very very good Laker team. You had to feel really good about that particular team because. You know, if you if, if you know, had Chris Mullen was on that team, a young Chris Mullen, and you guys had you guys had some pieces there too. Yeah, I, I thought we had a good group. We, we had finally came together as a team. 
Uh, everyone believed that we could 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 do well once we got in, in the playoffs, and, and I, I thought uh, all of us really really committed to what we were doing. Uh, it was a great situation for us. It was a fun situation for us as well. And, and I, I just thought the guys had played tremendous. We really worked hard. And it was a very, very good thing. Yeah, chance to play with some great the teammates, as, as we talked about before, even going on to your days in Houston with Akeem Olajuwon. Mm-hmm. But you can now say that you played with Hall of Famer Chris Mullen. Uh, did you realize at the time that he had uh, Springfield capability? Yes. How, how come? When I saw him play, uh, I said, "Man, this this guy here, he 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 is going to be a player." And he did not prove me wrong. He's a very talented player. He can do a lot of things. He's not very fast, but at the end of the day, he gets it done. And and he was very very consistent player throughout his career. And one thing for Chris, I can say he's, he's a very lovable guy. Everybody likes him. He's a great person. And along with the talent, he was destined for the Hall of Fame. 9.2 rebounds a game in just under uh, t- almost 26 minutes a game, which is remarkable. Uh, still in the top uh, 75 to 100 of all time in, in NBA history. Uh, 3.9 offensive rebounds a game, and and uh, you have to take pride in that because because rebounding is I, I think Larry and, and see what you think about this. I always think rebounding is the true uh, testament to a player's desire because you have to want to be a great rebounder. Yes, I agree, and uh, I play the option to play with a lot of guys uh, in, in both the collegiate and the professional ranks and. Everybody want to score, <laughs> and like I said, who doesn't want to score? But at the end of the day, uh, you, I thought that rebounding uh, win games and give you opportunities to win games, and that's something that I really took pride in. I, I really uh, worked hard at it, and you know, became pretty good at it. So I, I really enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed my craft to the fullest. Before I let you go, a couple of things that you end up going back to Houston as an assistant coach, working under Rudy Tomjanovich, and as soon as you show up, they start winning rings. That had to be fun. <laughs> well, uh, I, I was really, really blessed to have opportunity to uh, work for Rudy T. Tremendous guy, tremendous coach, and a tremendous organization as well. Um, I was surrounded again about, about talented players, uh, Guys that were committed to what we were trying to do, and and it just worked out well for us. Uh, we had we we had only a couple of superstars per se on the team, but we had a lot of a lot of good role players that knew their job, and this, I think that was the difference for us. We went back to back championships, which is really really tough to do, but the guys really committed what we were doing, and they played extremely hard and got it done. And when when you were coaching there. What did you learn from Rudy? Because I, I remember Rudy back in those days. I was in, I was in Sacramento then, and he would he was there'd be times I would worry about him sometimes because he would be shaking after a game or something. No, he, but <laughs> but to me, it all I always felt that he looked like he was a a uh, you know that cliche we throw around a player's coach. You know, a guy that players would want to come in and and like to play for. It just, it just seemed that he had a, a very good rapport with his team. Absolutely, and I always said, if you couldn't play for Rudy T, you couldn't play for anybody. That was the kind of guy he was. Uh, tremendous coach, tremendous player, and a tremendous person. 
The guy was was very, very uh, easy to get along with, and he treated treated all the fans accordingly. So it didn't matter to him who he was coming. He, he always stopped and talked to you. Didn't matter who you were, and he just was a terrific person. Well, I put it this way: I'm sorry, he is a terrific person, and um, it was great working for him. I really enjoyed it, and I, it was it was it was, a, it was a, the ride was great. Well, Larry, I really appreciate your time today. We're gonna to let you go. I got before I, I do let you go. I want to tell the fans that, that not only are you one of the best rebounders in in NBA history, and certainly one of the best in, in Golden State Warriors history, one of the more beloved players in this franchise's West Coast history. But you know, just the, thinking about your college days, obviously at, at Alcorn State, uh, one of the best players in that conference history, the SWAC, which produced guys like Purvis Short, yourself. Uh, Bob Love, Willis Reed, Zelmo Beatty, and, and you're right on that honors list as well. So it's been a great life in, in, in basketball for you. Uh, I hope that uh, at some point we'll see you on the, the coaching sidelines again because I know you want to get back to that, and and best of luck. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, just this interview. And, again, uh, be sure the fans to tell them I will still love them to death, the greatest fans in the world. So thanks a lot for having me. And consider that message passed on. I hope you enjoyed that trip into the archives as much as we did here at the Golden State Warriors podcast. And in that same spirit, I encourage you to check out at Warriors 75th on Instagram. That's at Warriors 75th on Instagram. It's a new account the Warriors have launched to help shine the spotlight on some of the most special highlights, players, milestones, and moments in our history as we celebrate 75 years of Warriors basketball together. And as you know... We have a lot of history to get to. The Warriors were a charter franchise playing in the first year back in 1946-47 in the Basketball Association of America and, in fact, winning the first-ever championship and going on to win another in the 1950s before moving west in the 1960s. I want to thank our producer for the Warriors podcast, and that is James Kincaid, and our senior producer for all things audio, that is R.C. Davis. And, of course, my thanks to Larry Smith going back years for that interview. Really enjoyed it. Love the fact that we got to talk about the guys with the hard hats on the baseline. Just what a great moment that is. And it shows the relationship that the Bay Area has always had with the Warriors. It's always been a rabid and loyal fan base, and we love having you guys here. I'm Tim Roy. Thanks for checking out the podcast, and please tell your friends about us. Come back for other episodes, so just click away right here wherever you get your podcasts.